And so we constantly have to be writing ourselves by the word of God. It's, it's like being on a ship and you're out at sea. And if you allow the currents, you'll be set at drift. If you're not constantly watching your course and writing yourselves by the compass, the compass is God's word. If we stray from God's word, we stray from the truth. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Book of Ephesians, chapter 5, looking at verses 8 through 14 this morning. Just going to read through the passage and then open us in prayer. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful work of darkness, but rather expose them, for it is shameful to even speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light, For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Father, I pray that you would enlighten us this day with your word, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would do a work in our hearts and in our lives, that you would just open our hearts to receive from you this morning, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. This section in the book of Ephesians, we move from chapters 1 through 3, talking about all that is ours because we're believers, all that is our future in the heavenlies, what God has planned for us, our inheritance that he has for us. But when he gets to chapters 4 through 6, he really gets into, this is where the dirt meets the road. It's, It's where our walk is and how we are to conduct ourselves in this world that we live in. Yesterday, I was thinking about the church of Ephesus and thinking about the people that must have been part of this first church that Paul came and preached the gospel to. People came to faith in Jesus Christ, and it became an established church, an established work for the gospel. Most of these people were Gentiles. Most of them had no knowledge of who God was prior to Paul coming to expound the gospel to them. There was no history of Jesus Christ because the history was still being written. It was only been 
you know, between 10 and 15 years since Christ had died, was buried, rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. We're not talking about a lot of time that had passed. So Paul came preaching to a pagan culture, the wonderful grace of Jesus Christ. And now he's demanding, I will say, he's demanding of them that we need to now walk as Christ walked. In chapter 5 last week, we looked at in verse Verses 1 and 2, Therefore, be followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. We are to emulate Christ. We're to be Christ-like. Several years ago, I even, for a message, probably about 15, 20 years ago, I bought a t-shirt, the WWJD, what does... Christ, what's it go? What would Jesus do? Yeah, I don't get into, well, I do. So I bought it just for, uh, to wear during a message, and it's buried in my t-shirt pile somewhere. But the thought behind that is to, to walk as Christ would have walked in our lives. We're responsible as believers. Now, I was trying to contrast the church of Ephesus, who had this pagan background, they were in many ways so debased that in temple worship, back in parts of the Old Testament all the way into the New Testament in their culture, when they worshipped many of these gods, there were temple prostitutes as part of their worship. Now, when I talk about the pagan temple worship, I'm not talking about the temple of God that is found and was built there in the Old Testament and then rebuilt again and the one that Jesus, Herod's temple that they call it, but um, the one that Jesus would have ministered in and walked in, it was pagan temples. And as part of their worship, their culture was so twisted that they would even use sex and sexuality in worshiping the gods. Now we have a culture that has foundations in Christianity. I know our world today is, especially here in the United States, we're trying to separate, and we hear that phrase, separation of church and state, trying to separate our founding fathers' beliefs from the documents that they put together. But you look at the documents and lace throughout some of the early documents of this country and the Declaration of Independence, and we find this Judeo-Christian society that our morals are, were based upon the Word of God, that it was from the Word of God that these men came together and, and wrote these documents and these decrees. And we have, as a culture, we are known in the world as a Christian nation. Now, I wouldn't say that we are, but we're known by that title. Still to this day, there are many who believe that because they are part of the United States, that there is this tendency of this bent toward God. But in many ways, our culture is just as debased or even more so than the culture that the church of Ephesus came out of. Last week, we learned that we learned some of the deeds of darkness, some of the those who walk apart from Christ. And we looked at in verses 3 and 4, these words of fornication and uncleanliness, covetousness, Filthiness, foolish talking, coarse jesting. 
that these are not fitting for us. Rather, we should be people who are giving thanks and not partaking in any of those forms of that list that was just mentioned. And he went on to say that, for you know that no fornicator or unclean person or covetous man or idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ or of God, that these who participate in these things, they don't have an inheritance in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And so he begins by saying, you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. You were once darkness. Notice he didn't say you were once in darkness, but you are now in the light. He says you were once darkness. They have personified darkness and light. You were once darkness, but now you're light. So walk as children of the light. Now, it is true that we could say we were once in darkness, but when you are apart from Jesus Christ, according to the word of God, you are darkness. You have no light. And our world likes to teach that there are many different lights. And we talk about near-death experiences and whether being talked about, written about in books or TVs or movies, we hear oftentimes there's that light, there's that tunnel, and you're either going toward the light or away from it. Well, according to the Word of God, you don't have to wait till death to experience light or darkness. If you are apart from Christ, you are darkness. If you have Jesus Christ in your life, you are light. Jesus said in John 12, 46, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide in darkness. And so no longer are we to walk as the rest of the world walks. The list that we got from verses 3 and 4, the fornication, the uncleanliness, the covetousness, the filthiness, foolish talking, coarse gesturing, that is not supposed to be part of us any longer. We're to walk as children of light. We're to allow our light to shine before men. That, as the Lord said in Matthew 5.14, that they would see our light and glorify God as a result of that. Not to bring glory to us, but that God would get the glory. Our position of being light in the Lord should carry over into our walk, or in other words, in our life, how we live our life, the way of life. In verse 9, he says, The fruit of the Spirit is all goodness, righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. And so how do we walk as children of the light? And a little bit of that definition is found in verse 9. It's by having the fruit of the Spirit, God's work in our lives, that He enables us to walk as children of light. And part of that walk, some of the things that people should be seeing from us as believers, they should see goodness, righteousness, and truth. Goodness in the Greek refers to a moral excellence, an upright heart. Righteousness, it simply means to be right or just. Speaks about integrity. Truth, it can speak about a personal excellence, but it's free from pretense, falsehood, or deceit. You're not trying to lie about things or who you are, you're just, you speak the truth in love. You speak the truth. It's part of your very nature. 
we are to walk as children of the light. And having the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, some of the outgrowth of that is that we would have goodness and righteousness and truth. And through that process, we are proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Quite often we ask the question, how do we know what the will of God is? How do we know what is acceptable to God? Part of that is the fruit of the Spirit operating in our lives. Part of that is the Holy Spirit um, operating, functioning in our hearts. It's also through doing goodness, righteousness, and truth. What do you judge these things by? Where's the standard? For us as believers, I believe personally that the standard of how I live my life is found in the Word of God. I'm not looking to my government to teach me that standard. Our culture is saying that, you know, there is male and female and whatever else people deem themselves to be, I guess. And our government wants to teach these things to our children. So our government will say that this is right. This is truth. This is excellence. If you allow anything to be whatever or allow any religion, any truth, we all worship the same God, some would say. But we need distinction. The distinction is found in the Word of God. That we prove what is acceptable to the Lord through the study of God's Word, through reading His Word, through learning about Jesus Christ and becoming followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, As I said last week in verse 1, it's been translated imitating God, to become imitators of God, of Jesus Christ in our lives, to walk as He walked, to walk as children of the light. In doing so, we prove what is acceptable to the Lord. We do so by testing all things. In 1 Thessalonians 5.21, the word tells us, test all things and hold fast what is good. So we're to test, we're to prove the newer translations of the New King James they have to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. My King James was written over 20 years ago, and so they've tweak the words a bit, but mine says proving. The Greek means to test or to examine. Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians 5.21, we're to test all things, all things. It means everything of our lives, everything that we examine, what we do, what we say, we examine according to the word of the Lord, that this becomes our standard by how we conduct ourselves and by how we live. And if we don't line up with God's word, then God's word is not wrong. We are in fault. Quite often, people believe if we don't line up with God's word, then it must be that God's word is at fault. This is an archaic book. It's not meant for our time, for our culture. This is what the world teaches us today. But I believe this is exactly what our world needs. God's word exposing the truth of sin and of darkness and of righteousness and light, explaining the different paths, a path that would lead to hell, a path that would lead to heaven, and and the one Savior who is the only difference between heaven and hell, and that is of Jesus Christ. Proving what is acceptable to the Lord and And the word of God, and David said in Psalm 19, 14, Let my word of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, be acceptable to your sight, O Lord, 
my strength and my redeemer. His son Solomon in Proverbs 21, 3 says, To do righteousness and justice is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. As believers, we are to we are lights in the Lord. We're to walk as children of the light in all goodness and righteousness and truth. We're to live lives that are acceptable to the Lord because we have proven, we have tested our lives against the word of God. I tell you that I am constantly doing this because it troubles me that I know that in the culture that we live in, it's easy to conform to the culture. And I know that there are things that I probably accept now that I wouldn't have accepted some 20 years ago. That our culture is moving us as a society. And so we constantly have to be riding ourselves by the word of God. It's, it's like being on a ship and you're out at sea. And if you allow the currents, you'll be set at drift. If you're not constantly watching your course and riding yourselves by the compass, the compass is God's word. If we stray from God's word, we stray from the truth and it's easy to fall then away. And we have to keep constantly feeding upon the word of God, constantly be in prayer, constantly exposing ourselves to the truths of God's word, being in fellowship with one another. He speaks about fellowship in verses 11 and 12, but it's not the fellowship of the body of Christ. But there's a warning to not be in fellowship, as he says, as Paul says, the unfruitful works of darkness. He says in verse 11, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, which are done by them in secret. I don't know if they're doing things so much in secrets anymore. It was so cute when that tree died out in the island out there. And I carved that cross into the little tree out there. My granddaughter felt that it would be great if we painted it like a rainbow. And I sorry, we can't do the rainbow on the cross. I just stained it a color of wood. Now we know that the rainbow is part of the word of God, right? It's a promise to us from the word of God, but that rainbow also has been hijacked by a culture that says the rainbow means whatever sexuality, it's okay. And if you put a rainbow in front of your church, that means the church is saying, however you are sexually, we accept you here. So it's sad that our culture has taken a Christian symbol and has corrupted it so much so that the cross isn't a rainbow out in the island on our church property today. Now, we're to have no fellowship with. It's a word that speaks about sharing the company of participating in with a group of people. We're to separate ourselves Paul said in 2 Corinthians 6, 14, do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. We like to use that verse for marriage or a boyfriend, girlfriend situation and, and a warning. And it's a good warning. You know, as a pastor, you're doing premarital counseling. And so often there's the mindset of the one who is a believer that they can change the person. And sometimes they can. But often what they end up doing is compromising. Often what they end up doing is being the person that gets changed. Not closer in faith, but further away from their faith. 
He says, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? Be not unequally yoked. It's not just talking about marriage. It's talking about businesses, too. It's talking about our, you know, we can expand it to whatever. It's shameful to be in the unfruitful works of darkness. We're rather to expose them. It's shameful to even speak of those things which is done in secret. As I said, not so much secrets any longer. And, you know, I think the problem sometimes is that although we may not do it, but we are speaking about them. We participate in a different fashion. And there's a danger there. You know, our world, there are so many things. The unfruitful works of darkness, that word for unfruitful means to be barren. It's a sense of living an unproductive life, having no produce of anything of eternal value. That, you know, your life is done, you lived, but you're going to die and you're going to go to hell. There's no eternal worth that has come from your life. And we're to separate ourselves from it. Paul talking about our past life versus the current life. In Romans 6.20, he says, For when you were slaves of sin, the past life, you were free in regards to righteousness. What fruit did you have in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, verse 22, having been set free from sin, having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness And in the end, everlasting life for the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That there is this past that was unfruitful. It was unproductive. But now in Christ, we can have a productive life, not just here on this earth, but one that goes on and extends into eternity. But we will not have that productive life. If we are in fellowship with our past life, because we will remain barren and without fruit. But we set standards of truth. We set standards of what's right and how we conduct ourselves, no matter what the world or how the world is conducting themselves. We need to have a standard of truth where to expose it and I'm not a person who's going to run around and, and become that person who is known for exposing things. Rather, I will teach and proclaim the Word of God, and as I teach and proclaim the Word of God, the Word of God will expose. As we expose ourselves to the Word of God, He will expose those things that are not right, that need to be set right or straight or to beg forgiveness to repent. Sadly, we live in a day and age within many of our churches where they are no longer enduring sound doctrine, but they have these itchy ears and they're finding teachers who have turned away from the truth of God's word. Many churches, they use the word of God, but they're not teaching from the word of God. They're teaching man's thoughts, man's agendas. Well, Paul said to Timothy, you convince, you rebuke, you exhort, but you do it with long suffering. It means that just as Christ is long suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, that we need to be long suffering, that realize that those who maybe they don't conform as quickly as we'd like, maybe they 
They don't get it and they don't become believers, but we were once like them. Perhaps sometimes they're not seeing the example from us that we should be for them. I want us to be a people who are willing to expose ourselves to the word of God, that the word of God can expose to us those things that are unproductive in the world and in our own lives. Make sure that you're writing yourself by God's word, that you're walking the straight and narrow. I know I'm not preaching perfection here. I'm preaching sinners who have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, who desire to live as Christ would have us to live. And we all struggle to walk that right walk, to be acceptable, that we can prove what is acceptable to the Lord. And I think sometimes as a church, we just need to wake up from our slumber and arise from the dead. Our dead works, let them go. That past, what's it going to do for you? But it's Christ who gives us light. Our hope, our future is in Jesus Christ. It's time that we fix our eyes upon him and run the race with endurance. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into his image by the power of his Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. And let God